Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, here with hosts Drew Boreen and Lexi DeLuna. Let's get ready to connect with somebody new today. Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, and we've got a couple of hosts on the show that you guys already know. We've got Drew Boreen. Hello. This is where I say hi. Back after like five episodes, something like that. I've been on hiatus. Yeah, he has been, but he has been welcomed back with open arms. Did I use the word sabbatical last time? I think I said sabbatical last time. Now I'm on hiatus. Sabbatical sounds fancy. Sounds like like Sabbath. And then Lexi DeLuna. Hi. And our guest today is President Gary Blair. Hey, it's good to be here with you. Drew, you wanted to start us off with a question. Let's do that. Do we want to talk about where you've been? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you told us that you weren't at a certain, I think it was the... Uh, youth Fireside last Youth week. Fireside, because you were in the Caribbean. That we were, yeah. We uh, decided with... So I officially retired from my practice as a chiropractor of 40 years in February. February 15th was my last day, so we decided, what are we going to do? And something we hadn't done is gone on a, we hadn't really done a big cruise. I hadn't been to the, you know, the Caribbean before. And this time of year, the idea of going someplace where it's sunny, warm, and warm water was kind of enticing. So talking about it, we decided we're going to do a cruise. You know, before that, I was talking about possibly going to like Puerto Rico or someplace, just hanging out. So I could, we could do a lot of snorkeling that. But my wife, Luann, says, I'd like to go someplace where I don't have to worry about preparing meals. <laughs> so that's how the cruise <laughs> bought, got bought into. So we did this cruise to the Western Caribbean. And uh, we were gone for, it was 10 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were just getting back. Uh, we were in the process of returning home last weekend. We actually, it's, we have our oldest daughter lives in um, Dallas-Fort Worth area. The cruise left out of Galveston, Texas. So we thought on our way home, we'd, we'd detour and visit Krista and Jared and their family for uh, a few yeah. days. So that's, that's what we were actually doing last Sunday. We were at their house, their home, and visiting with them for a couple of days before we made the final flight back to cold rain and snow somehow (laughs) so yeah we're back we were actually just getting out of seminary earlier this week and it had snowed on the mountains and i swear i saw some snowflakes coming down around us like and then just like yesterday it was really warm yeah yesterday was wonderful that was appreciated (laughs) very appreciated what was your favorite part about the cruise Favorite part about the cruise? Well, I loved we loved snorkeling, and uh, was so this reef that we were able to to snorkel on is the second largest reef in the world. The largest being, of course, the Great Barrier Reef yeah. off the coast of Australia. But this this reef kind of runs down uh, the off the coast of Mexico, Central America, to down to South America, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, when we've been to Hawaii and snorkeled off the reefs there, a lot of the coral's dead due to environmental impact, you know, sunscreen being one of them. 
that kills coral. And so this reef is very much alive. So there was just a lot to see. Beautiful variety of coral, fish. Uh, there was even in the area where we did our final snorkeling, there was manatee mm-hmm. and and rays and things like that. So it was, that was probably the highlight for me is just the, the beauty. I love seeing manatees. When we lived in Florida, there we used to see the manatee migration every year. Oh, they be... were just wall to wall on each other. Oh, that would be so incredible. <laughs> it was really neat. It, I think it, Levi could correct me on this, but I think for elementary school, they actually everybody had like one or two days off to go see the manatee migration. Well, that would be awesome to see that, wouldn't it? I probably the other highlight was uh, in Belize was going in and and uh, visiting some Mayan ruins. Mm, yeah, uh, one of the temples that we saw was probably the biggest or the highest temple in Belize. Uh, but that was that was pretty pretty choice too to see those ruins. Yeah. Do you do a lot of international travel? <laughs> no, no. You know, my extent of foreign travel has been Vancouver, BC. <laughs> <laughs> That's as foreign as I've gotten, other than this cruise that we just took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you traveled out of the country, Lexi? Uh, yeah, I've been to Mexico. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. About Wait, that. you just you said I've been to Mexico. You gave a big smile, and then. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to think about the people I'm around because yeah. if I was talking to some of my um, friends my age, I probably would have made a joke there. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend. Gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. That's true. No, that I've been. I've been to Mexico. Life. I definitely want to go more places, um, but I may or may not be 15 with no money, so yeah. it's but, a little uh, difficult. Having money is great. What part of Mexico <laughs> did you guys go to? Um, we've been to like a lot of, um, the main like cruise ports. Um, so a lot of like, Cozumel or uh, like Cabo, um, Puerto Vallarta. Um, so, so you were more off the West coast of Mexico. Yeah. And then my parents told us that if we're, I don't know if it's fluent or just like strong in Spanish by the time Brandon comes back, um, they'll take us down to go see, um, the area he's serving in currently. Um, with him later on. So, Wait, so are you getting into learning Spanish? Duolingo. I had, your accent sounded pretty good. On, I have a yeah. um, funny story. I was practicing my Spanish the other day, and I was telling my mom everything I ate in the day because that was our Spanish unit, learning yeah. how to talk about food in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I told her I didn't know the Spanish word for enchilada, so I was just going to say enchilada. I said it so <laughs> straight faced because I literally did, I didn't even realize what I said and she just started laughing at me. And then <laughs> she was like, Lexi enchilada in Spanish is enchilada. <laughs> 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 that was kind of embarrassing. How well, are your language skills? Well, my extent of speaking Spanish is ordering at Taco Bell. <laughs> I say burrito, you know. What's the Spanish word for burrito? <laughs> we have a burrito right in front of us, a, a donkey that you caught. Yeah. Or, yeah. It is a little bull. Oh, yeah. or, oh, okay. It's a little donkey. Yeah. I speak German. Interesting thing, though, when you talk about international. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my mother was born in Mexico. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My, my mother was born in Mexico. My grandfather was... Uh, Grew up, my grandfather grew up in Mexico. In mm-hmm. fact, when he was a boy, he lived there during the um, Mexican Revolution. Nice. And he dealt with the, uh, as a boy, they dealt with the uh, banditos and the federales and mm-hmm. 
one of the things they'd have to do is take the guns, their good guns, and their horses, livestock, and take them up in the hills and hide them so they wouldn't get confiscated. But, uh, yeah. So my mother was lived there until she was three when her mother passed away. Then my grandfather came back up into the States. That's incredible. So it's a crazy time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lexi, um, did you want to do our standard intro question? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's pretend like you just got um, into a new ward for the first time. What are you telling people about where you've lived and your family and maybe your career? Stuff like that. Like basic intro. So I'm, get, I'm getting into a, a new ward for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably be telling them as little as possible. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah. I, I, uh, I just to introduce my family. You know, that uh, Luann and I have been, you know, we've been married for 46 years. We have six children, two daughters and four sons, and uh, 12 grandchildren, one on the way. Uh, just And then, at, uh, again, my, my career path is I've practiced chiropractic for 40 years, um, and uh and then I've served in a number of different capacities, uh, had some great experiences, and above all, we love the gospel. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a great-grandchild on the way? Nope. Nope, <laughs> not yet. How old's your oldest grandchild? How old? Yeah. Uh, I may get in trouble if I don't get this right, but uh, Mary Jane is her name, and she's 20, she'll be 23. It helps that she was born in the year 2000. So oh. just do the math. Oh, yeah, that does help. Do yeah. the math. Within a year, you have to get it then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she lives in Bend, Oregon with her husband and working there and they're going to school. So, Can you tell me a little bit more about being a chiropractor and the scope of practice? It's always been interesting to me. So... Let me talk a little bit, maybe if I could, about yeah. why did I choose to go that path? Totally. Because as we were as we were talking earlier before the podcast, growing up, my focus had always been I wanted to fly. Yeah. Uh, my dad worked for the Air Force, and I was around aircraft, and I just loved everything about flying. Um, so between my junior and senior year of high school, uh, I decided to go parachute. I wanted to learn how to parachute. So... I went out of this airplane. It was up this canyon above Ogden, Utah. And uh, this was my first jump. And are you tandem diving or are you doing No, at that time, solo? at that time, it wasn't tandem. I, I climbed out onto the wing, held onto the wing strut, standing on the wheel. And when they told me to let go, I let go and spread eagle. In fact, I folded my own parachute for that first jump. Holy crap. I packed it myself. And I went out. And so it often happens in Canyon, there's always wind coming from the lower valley up to the higher valley. So they put me in, it was in the afternoon. And I'm coming down, and I get within a couple of hundred feet of the ground. And I looked at, and I'm over these high power tension lines. So I'm working like crazy trying to move the parachute so I would land away from the power lines. And with the wind blowing, I lined up like they told me to, but when I hit, I hit hard. And so I jammed my neck and my left shoulder. (laughs) And uh, 
and I and I injured my shoulder and my neck. So I had that happen. And then working in construction in my high school years, I injured my lower back uh, doing construction. And then the other thing I suffered from was chronic migraines. So I had all those things going. And so when I served my mission, which I served in the Massachusetts-Boston mission, uh, there was a chiropractor in one of the wards. And he invited me to come into his office, and he worked with me and helped me immensely with all the above. And so when I came home, and uh, at that time, uh, in the university program that I was going to go into at the University of Utah, there were hardly any pilot slots. There were very, well, there might have been one or two. And I knew I wasn't probably going to get one of those slots. And I didn't want to go through all of that to fly a desk. <laughs> and and so I was drawn to chiropractic. And, and I remember, I can still remember the day when I told Luann, we were married at the time. And originally I started out, I was studying engineering, mechanical engineering is what I was going to do. I said, you know, I think I want to be a chiropractor because I like the philosophy, the natural approach, and I love the human body. The human body fascinated me all my life and it fascinates me to this day. It's an amazing thing that we have a body. And uh, so I told her, I think that's what I want to do. I want to go to chiropractic school. And so I went through the, like, basically like pre-med, got my undergrad degree, and then I went to, at that time it was called Western States Chiropractic College, now Western States University, and did my chiropractic studies there. So my main interest was in the biomechanics of the body and learning how to work with and correct those those situations, those problems. And so I've, over the years, that's what I focused on is rehabilitation, spinal biomechanics primarily, but also worked with the, all the extremities. Did a lot of work in correcting gait issues with people, gait's the way you walk. Um, I loved working with athletes, sports injuries, uh, and uh, some nutritional aspect of Some people focus on a lot more than I did. I was more into rehabilitation. Okay. So uh, that was the scope of practice uh, that I had was a lot of physiotherapy and then working to correct, correct dysfunctions within the body and the spine. What was it you liked about the philosophy? And I'm, I'm a little bit novice here, but it, my understanding is that some of the philosophy is that, you know, the body has immense ability to heal itself. and That's correct. So... Chiropractic, as we know it today, began uh, in in 1895 um, with a, guy, a man by the name of D.D. Palmer. Which they have a lot of the schools are now called Palmer well, University. Or, yeah, so there's Palmer College back in Davenport, Iowa, which was uh, the, the first one. Uh, but his correlation was in the effect of dysfunction or what we call subluxation or misalignments, which create interference with the function of the nervous system. Now, one of his cohorts was a man by the name of Andrew Still, who his principle was the law of the, art, of the, of, of the artery, basically had the effect of impingement or restriction of circulation and its effect. And so he was the father of osteopathy. Yep, A.T. Still, mm -hmm. yeah. And so those two were kind of contemporaries with similar approaches with little differences in philosophy 
for myself, I incorporated both philosophies in my work uh, in terms of, you know, working a lot to release tension in muscles, which were restricting circulation, trying to normalize muscle function to help normalize the biomechanics of movement. So the whole philosophy is a natural uh, that, that within our bodies is the intelligence to heal. For example, when you cut yourself, you don't sit there and tell your body how to heal, right? <laughs> it does it. It's programmed in there. It's amazing. So what we try to do is remove the interference so the body can do what it's already programmed to do. That's really cool. What is uh, osteopathy? Lost to apathy. They've lost. Well, how do you pronounce it? Osteopathy. It's, it's Osteo okay. It's so they're osteopaths. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm a medical doctor, MD. Another type of doctor physician is a DO or doctor of osteopathy. So they're very similar to MDs, but they have this separate training that, like uh, Gary was talking about, they learned from AT Still um, in his philosophy, which is kind of manipulations in the spine and other parts of the body that help to heal. Right. Kind of wish I would have been a DO, to be yeah. honest, because it's a pretty cool um, training that they get. Yeah. So when I was – so I started practice. Um, I practiced for about seven, eight years up in the Seattle area, Kent, Washington. And while I was up there, I got to know a lot of the various, you know, orthopedists, neurologists. In fact, I was on a panel with them working with workers' comp injuries – but there was also an osteopathic hospital at that time up there, so I was on staff there. So I got to know the a lot of the osteopaths and got to know understand their their, their philosophy more. But it was fairly similar uh, to what we were doing. That's really neat. And so it's mainly like the idea of like what you were saying, like getting the body to help heal itself. Yeah, that, that's a good summary. Yeah, because I was hearing something about it, like. Um, because this will tie into something that you also answered, which was your study into the quantum world. We're going to go into some crazy topics. I was reading about saying um, quantum biology and the quantum theory like of leaving something alone and the body will naturally fix itself. But when something is identified, sometimes it will like solidify the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can give you an example is... Um... With the knee knee injuries, mm -hmm. uh, one of the common injuries that we see is uh, you've heard of ACL tears, right? Fairly common thing. But in some of the studies they've done is that depending on the degree of tear, of course, sometimes you just will leave it alone and let it heal. And sometimes the mistake we make is we identify it, but then we go in a week, two weeks later and decide we're going to test it and we get in there and start doing those tests for it and we disrupt those healing fibers. In other words, leave well enough alone sometimes. Once you, sometimes when you identify some of these things, let it heal. Oh my God. It's, 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 intervention sometimes is not always your, the best approach. Yeah. There's sometimes when you don't have any other choice, but, <laughs> but that's, just, that's just an example. I have sometimes. a question reflecting back on your practice of chiropractic medicine for 40 years, right? Um, what role did your knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ play in your career? It's something I think about myself a lot. So the understanding, first of all, understanding 
that we're children of our Heavenly Father and that we lived in a preexistence as spirits and that we progressed to the point in that preexistence where our Heavenly Father felt we were ready for the next thing. What was the next thing? The next thing was to receive a physical body. And with that then, we're told that our bodies are like are, are a temple. They're a temple for our spirit because our spirit dwells there in that body. And then, therefore, the body is pretty important. It's pretty special. It's a gift. It's, it's, a, it's one of the greatest gifts that we could receive is to receive this body. And then with that, then, understanding that it's divine. It's divine in its nature. And that, that the body needs to be treated that way respected that way, and not abused. And though we try to get the maximum benefit we can from it, I have to think, I think of myself, and I think that in the preexistence, when they started talking about this human body and what we could do with this body, I had to be pretty excited. I was pretty, <laughs> pretty stoked to get one. And I have to say, during my life, I have loved it. I've loved what you can do with the body how you can program it, program your mind through learning. And when people don't take advantage of that opportunity to, to learn, and then we can program our bodies to do things. I had a, a neurophysiology class, and in that class we were talking about, for example, the difference between throwing a baseball or throwing an egg. So what do you do when you're going to catch an egg? Versus when you're going to catch a baseball. When I want to catch an egg, I'm going to catch it and then give it some force behind or let it give. You adapt, right? Mm -hmm. Change how you're going to. But all that perception of what's going on in that brain during that process, how it's processing, that's all amazing. And we get pretty excited about computers and things that we create. But it gave me a greater appreciation of my Heavenly Father for what He has given us. For example, my knees have been working for me for almost 68 years. What thing do we make do we make here on earth that lasts like the cartilage in a knee when it's properly managed and taken care of? You think of your heart. How many times that heart went from the time that heart first starts to pump when you're in your mother's womb and how long how many beats through a whole lifetime and what that heart's capable of doing, how it responds, your muscles. I mean, all of these things that we have, as, as I used to say to my, to my kids or classes when I worked with young men and young women, is uh, can you imagine taking a half a million dollar sports car out and dumping horrible fuel in it? Why would you do something where you can't put a price on your body? Why would you dump stuff or do things to your body that would harm it, you know? So, yeah, it's the gospel greatly influenced the way I viewed my work, but it also influenced the way I viewed my patients. And I have to say that I treated my patients regardless of their background or what they came. I treated them as my brothers and sisters and that I would not want to ever take advantage of that, that it was a sacred responsibility to take care of these these patients who had entrusted their health to me.
And that comes from the gospel. It's wonderful. I love that. And I love the conversation that went into appreciating the body and what it does. It thank you. It that that helps me a lot. Kind of like covering up the sugared soda right now. <laughs> <laughs> I succumb once in a while to that too, but I'm trying to That's steer like clear. my one indulgence. I, no, it's not. My, mine's dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, You're just saying, don't dump fuel like down. And we're all like, we all have sodas in front of us. I'm just like, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you're probably meaning more like alcohol and substance abuse type stuff. Yeah. I think even soda? name yeah. your poison, name even, your poison, even sugared soda. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's really true, and I I do think as healthcare providers we have to care for ourselves first in that regard. Um, yeah. So message to me. Uh, that was a question I was going to ask you: Is um, has studying chiropractic has that like helped you improve your own physical health? You know. There were times, especially earlier on, I sometimes would say, "Man, why didn't I? Why didn't I follow through with becoming an engineer?" You know, because yeah, sometimes the stress. And of course, I I don't understand. All, I had patients that were engineers, and some of those things. I know they had a stress, but sometimes the stress of dealing with some things we deal with, I thought, "Why didn't I do that?" But one of the things in the work was being constantly. It's like as a missionary. I'll give you, I'll use this example. As a missionary, when you're out there, you're immersed in the gospel. Every day you're supposed to be in the scriptures, right? And you're out there preaching the gospel. Well, in in my work as a chiropractor, being around the body every day, working with it, trying to help people with it, kept me focused on what I need to do to take care of my body so I could take care of other people. And I had to walk the talk. So one thing that I've tried to do is, you know, exercise, you know, as much as I can, which, you know, sometimes it's six days a week. Sometimes it's not quite as many because there's things that interrupt that, but taking care of my own body so I can take care of other people, but also just having that right there in front of me, you know, got to walk the talk. Perfect. Actually, Drew, do you want to, do you have stories you want to get into or ask Um, about? Well, I did have some questions. It was something yeah. I wanted to ask when we were doing the intro about yeah. travel, because um, I'm a I'm a big national park fan. Um, I got that from my dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've seen a few with your family. Oh yeah, some good ones. Do you like national parks? You know, I love national parks. Have I got to see a lot of them? Mm. I haven't. And that's one of the things I plan to do in retirement. So, like, what would be your Number one, I love I love uh, Mount Na- Mount Rainier mm-hmm. National Park. Uh, I love the Olympic Peninsula. Um, those are probably the t- two that I. And then I love the national parks in Southern Utah. Yes, I, I, I love. I mean, they're all you know Bryce's, Zion's, Arches, and again, anytime you're in these, you know, you're just marveling at how these things were created, how they came about. Yellowstone, the Grand Tetons. Uh, and I'm so thankful for the insight in which these places were preserved. Yeah. You know, in a few weeks, I'm going to be heading down to the Redwoods, you know, and seeing an amazing thing there. So, yeah. So, like, what about ones that you haven't been to? For me, I, I've been to all the ones that you just named. My favorite one currently is Canyonlands or Olympic. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite. But... 
like my number one that I would want to go to that's I haven't been to yet, it would be the American Samoa National Park. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard one to get to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm smiling. Yeah, I'd love that one too, but getting there. Uh, yeah, on my list, I wanna, I wanna, I've always wanted to go to Carlsbad Caverns. I, I love caves. Uh, I'd like to see that one. Uh, I would like to go back to uh, Maine, where I served my mission. Acadia. Acadia. I'd like to go there. Uh, then there's a national park there. I believe it's on Lake Superior um, um, that I'd like to explore. Voyagers? I don't – you know, I – Or the White Sands. I'm not remembering the name of it. I just know that there's one I've looked at and I'm just – the name of it's not coming to my mind right now. Yeah. yeah. There's just some cool ones out there. You could do Gates of the Arctic. That's another one that would be impossible to get to. Which one? Gates of the Arctic. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to go up to Glacier Bay, which, you know, your your parents were both up there and worked up there. Yeah. Anyways, that was the question I had because National Park is so I, I like it. I like it. Alexi, what did you want to talk about? Um, Can I just add something really quick to that topic about, like, the Earth? Let's go. Um, well, I mean, yesterday was Earth Day, and I think that's – it's always cool to reflect on, like, God's creation and everything. And – um. Gosh, I hate that this is a podcast because people can only hear our voices, but there was just the prettiest painting that um, the Church of Jesus Christ posted on, like, their Instagram. And um, it just reminded me, like, how grateful I am for everything that God has put on this earth and the attention and detail, how there's just so much to it. And you just, I don't know, just really grateful for that. It does help you appreciate a little bit more about God because of all the things we learn about him— um, I think he he appreciates beauty and he wants us to experience beauty in our life. Um, most most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, I you know, when the, the earth the, the that we live in here that we live on right now, what's it compared to? Telestial kingdom. And I go, man, I find this telestial kingdom. Pretty amazing. You, gotta, you can't begin to imagine no, what the others good. must be like, right? <laughs> uh, but but again, as you just said uh, about this earth, I mean, when you think about the processes that have gone on and how the earth works, how the earth works, uh, all the balances and all the processes that allow for life to exist here. And where the earth is in position to the sun and where the moon is in position to the earth. I mean, all of these things, our Heavenly Father definitely was involved in the process. And, and through his son, Jesus Christ. The scripture that says all things denote there is a God. Absolutely. That's like, it's yeah. so true. Absolutely. There is, you know, when I've been out with, with kids, I'm just saying, man, can you imagine, can you? Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this awesome? And uh, and our Heavenly Father did all this work for us. It's here for us. Lexi, what else did you want to get into? Um, maybe on that note, the kayaking with young men, San Juan's. So, some years ago, uh, for high adventure, uh, we decided to take uh, 18 young men up to the San Juan Islands. And that trip was going to involve kayaking and biking. 
So I had a base camp set up on San Juan Island. And from there, half the group biked over and caught the ferry to Orcas Island and then stayed at the, the state park there um, while I took the other half kayaking. And then midweek, we swapped. Well, this first group that I had, uh, so one of the things that you, that you deal with is when you're in that kind of water, it's not like you're on a lake. It's, you're dealing with currents, tidal changes. And so all those things, I programmed them. I was aware of them and knew which way the tides were supposed to be moving at what time of day and what we could expect and the strength of those tides too, how strong those tidal changes can be because you don't want to – you can't paddle against some of those tidal changes. So anyway, on this this particular day on this trip, we were coming up the um, the northwest side of San Juan Island. And uh, there was another island just off of the shoreline, Quartermaster – was it Quartermaster? No, that was the harbor there. Anyway, there was an I Henry Island, I think it was. And uh, we were going to come up around the top of San Juan, San Juan Island and then drop down into Rosario, which is kind of a, a resort on that, that corner. And so we left Quartermaster Harbor and started paddling up. And as we got up there, uh, I looked behind me out to the west. And I could just see this dark wall of weather coming. A squall, we call it, was coming in on us. And at the same time, the water in, in the, we, we, I could see on off the shoreline of this island, tidal rips were taking place. So what you have is massive volume of water coming in through the straits. It's deep, 900 feet. And the, imagine it hitting this landform and then the water is pushing to the surface. And anyway, as I looked at it, it was like it was it was like it looked like saw blades. It was just all chopped, and it was just. And then we had that wind picking up, and the storm coming. And so, my initial response was, "Let's turn the boats and come down around the south end of this little island, and then tuck up into Rosario that way, so we could avoid that." Well, I brought my kayak around and started trying to pace looking at the land, and I could see I wasn't making any headway. And I thought, if I can't make any headway, these guys aren't going to make any headway. And so it was, I was pretty concerned. We had Before the trip, we'd practiced all the safety procedures, emergency procedures, how to reenter boats if you get you know, dumped. But in this water, I thought, I do not want to have to practice it now. And uh, so I prayed. Heavenly Father, what, what should I do? Because I don't want to risk these boys. And the impression came almost immediately is have the boats raft up. So I had the, the boys pull their kayaks in together side by side, put their oars across, lock in, and let the water carry them. These guys had no clue. They were having <laughs> just a load of fun riding through all this stuff, right? And uh, and the amazing thing that happened is as we cleared through these tidal rips, almost immediately the weather behind us broke up. And the water became almost like a mill pond, almost like glass, and the sun came out. And 
as I told the boys, you know, we got back and we, you know, we talked about it. I said, you know, this is, this is life. This is life. And, and I can tell you this, you're going to have moments in your life, they're going to be like that water, just your life just feels like it's just not going anywhere and you're having all these horrible challenges. And it's, sometimes it just, you just see darkness and you don't know how you're going to get through it. But I can promise you that as you keep commandments, as you exercise faith, focus on Christ, you get, you get through this and then you hit some smooth water. You're going to come out on the other side and it's going to be fine. And don't forget it. Stay focused. Use all your energies. You'll get through it. You get through the rough stuff. You got to ride. You got to ride the wave, and it'll come out. So that's that. That's that experience. I like that. I like adding to that. Even just you need to raft up with somebody else sometimes. <laughs> you you some you can't do it. Go it alone. Sometimes you got to get help. Were they really entirely just clueless as to what was happening? Oh yeah, they they just figured it. <laughs> just, we're just out. You know, it's like running. You know, like going down the river. It's yeah. This like, is, we're having a good time. No, they they didn't know the concerns nope. that I was experiencing. You're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it it was it was it was good. It was it was good. Uh, the outcome was good. Did you tell them afterwards what they were facing? I, I think I think I have. Yeah, I think I have. But. Uh, but, but I'll tell you, the ups, you want to add the upside to that trip too with those those guys. On we had like so two days. That was one of the days. One of their days, I took them down the kind of mid part of Sound Island and pulled in uh, t- for our lunch break. And uh, Dead Man's Harbor, I think it's called. <laughs> and uh, it's right off what's called Kiln Point State Park. <laughs> but but every day, a pod of orca come through there. So I was just timing so it neat. for when the orca come by, and so we paddled out, and we we got out there about uh, a quarter mile out, and the sea fog rolled in. So I says, "Okay, we got to pull back into the shoreline." And about that time, as we get into the shoreline, we heard this, <laughs> and I look back, and behind the end kayak, I see this dark form diving just behind him. Right? <laughs> And uh, and I said, "Oh, guys, it's the orca. They're they're here." Yeah. And a lot of times they just move through, but this particular day, for some reason, the orca just kind of hung out. This pod just hung out there off this plain in the kelp seaweed, and uh, the bulls were kind of standoffish a little bit. But you could see the cows and the calves swimming under your boats, looking up at you. And we were with them for like, you know, 40 minutes or so. And then the title changes. I says, okay, guys, we got to go or you're going to be paddling against a pretty stiff uh, current. <laughs> but it was amazing. You know, so what I'm saying is, you know, it, it, was, it was an amazing time for them. Yeah. yeah it seems amazing like creatures. Those, amazing creatures. One of those creatures. moments where after all you went through, you call out Heavenly Father and you're like, I see what you did there. <laughs> that was awesome. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good experience for these guys. Yeah. Would you like to tell us about your dad and your mission? So, yeah, um, I'd always, you know, I'd always planned that I would serve a mission. But as I got closer to that time, um, I started to question whether I was really going to go, whether I was going to do it. You know, I thought about that time, you know, at that stage in my life, and maybe you see it too, two years looks like a long chunk of time. Two years looks like a long time. At this stage in my life now, two years is nothing. 
it's just kind of, you know, can't believe how fast guys go out and come back. You know, gal, you know, nieces go out and they come back from their missions, you know. It's like Abram just went out, but he's yeah, like getting back. exactly. Like, well, that time, you know, two years looked like a long time. And I thought, man, he's going to put me off for my studies. I want to move on with it, you know. So I was kind of, and, you know, I was getting some stinking thinking going in my life uh, and uh, questioning things and kind of doubting with the doubters a little bit, you know, some of those things. And, uh, but. I had been out and I had come home and my, my parents had been out also and they come back and they, my dad, re, they related to me that while my dad was driving, so I have, I have eight younger sisters okay. Holy! and I have one older sister. Do you have any brother, brothers? One older brother. Okay. So anyway, they were out and so they had s- several of my younger sisters and one of my younger sisters, Angela's her name, um, Several is applicable. So anyway, they're they're driving, they're going along, and they're driving this suburban, and my dad gets this strong impression that he needs to pull over, and he kind of ignores it a little bit, and then he gets this strong impression he needs to pull over. So he did. He pulled over and doesn't know why, and he got around, got out, and he walked around, and opened up the back doors on the suburban, and my uh, sister Angela was laying back there. Almost totally passed out. Uh, he had to, he and he had to kind of revive her. They went to the hospital. They could find nothing wrong. Didn't find anything wrong. But she was. I mean, she was all but unconscious. And I don't know if maybe there was a leak or something. But anyway, she was. She was definitely. She was passed out. And I love my sisters. And uh, uh, especially my younger sister, I did a lot with them. And, and so it hit me hard that if my dad had not been in tune with the Spirit and responded, that my sister may have succumbed. She may have died. And so two things that really hit home to me was one, that our Heavenly Father is very much aware of us, the power of the Spirit, and that my dad was a worthy priesthood holder. I never saw my dad do anything that would dishonor his priesthood. The way he treated my mother, the way he served. Um, I mean, he wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. Uh, especially when it came to cattle, once in a while he could use some vernacular, <laughs> call it barnyard vernacular, and uh, standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like my grandfather used to say: anyone who owned cattle and said they didn't swear was a liar. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, because of that, it just impressed upon me is I'm going to serve a mission. I'm going to honor my priesthood. Uh, it's a responsibility that I have as a priesthood holder to serve a mission. I'm going to do it, and. Uh, um, and one thing that my dad had taught me too when growing up, I remember when I go in to talk to my dad, sometimes when he was shaving in the morning, getting ready to go, I'd always come in with lots of questions. But I still remember this conversation I had one, one time and he said to me, he said, Gary, as you get older, you're going to see some things. He says, you may see people in prominent positions go astray. You may have friends go astray. Keep your eyes on the prophet. The Lord will never let his prophet 
lead his people astray. Stay focused on the prophet. And so that was one thing that I've tried all my life. Uh, But my father was a worthy priesthood holder. He exemplified it. He was my home teaching companion. And we always went home teaching. In fact, I remember one time he was in the hospital getting hip replacements done. And he said, you make sure those people get visited. And he asked for accountability. And uh, uh, that's why even to this day, uh, home teaching, ministering, to me is a no-brainer. It needs to be done. We need to care for each other. But that came because of the example of my father, and I'll also give credit to a, uh, a teacher's quorum advisor that I had that I also home taught with. So you served over in the Boston area, right? Yeah. It was, uh, when I got my call, this is kind of a little sideline to that. <laughs> when they asked me where I wanted to serve my mission, I wanted to go to New Zealand. That's where I said I wanted to go, was to New Zealand. So when I opened up my call, at that time it was called the New England Mission. So I saw that, you know, saw that the new, you know, I immediately started, and then it was New England. But but once I got out there, it was later changed to the Boston, Massachusetts mission. Great place to serve. Can you do a Boston accent? (laughs) So you, you have what's called Bostonian. You have what's called maniac, and then you have what's called Vermontese. Did you say maniac? Like Maine. Yeah. yeah. So that's what they say, the maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> so huh. if you're in Boston, you park your car. If you're in <laughs> Maine, yeah, yeah, like someone put cold water down your back. Yeah, yeah. And if you're in, your, and if you're in Vermont, it's heya, heya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Wait, how does the main, like the maniac, like the yeah? What, what how do does you that, use what, that? Does in? that come in and, and like <gasps> Do they just do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Ask yeah, a question. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Instead of hey, uh, it's yeah. That's how they like greet each other. Well, it's, you ask a, you say something to them. They said instead of saying yes, <laughs> yes, you go yeah, yeah. I think that would drive my mom insane. There's there's something for you to use. <laughs> that's good that's good i like that i love accent i mean if is an accent that works for me <laughs> of course you know i don't some of it because our our countries there's so much change going on and you know everybody's moving to different places some of it you know you don't see it quite as much but but you, but you do I, I i spent a lot of my time in when i was in maine and vermont i was out in the sticks i was way out in the country and uh so, you know, got to, you know, kind of an interesting sidelight about my mission. When I was in Vermont, I was in Arlington, Vermont. And Arlington, Vermont, you ever heard of Norman Rockwell? Yeah, yeah, of course. So that was where Norman Rockwell did a lot of his work, a lot of his painting. So some of the people that we tracked into had been subjects for some of his Saturday evening post uh, paintings. I, I can still remember one, one, there's one of his paintings that he does that's in a doctor's office. I, I have that one. I know what you're talking about. And yeah. the, the woman, the yeah. mother that's in that one, she was, of course, an older, quite a bit older at that time, but it was her and her boys or that children that were in that painting. Huh. That's incredible. So yeah. the other interesting thing was that our apartment in Arlington, Vermont, was a one-room, one of those old one-room schoolhouses. It still had the belfry on it. 
And this artist from New Jersey owned it, but she was leaving for a period of time and rented it to us. That's incredible. That sounds so cool. So we had this big room. The big classroom was kind of, you know, where we slept and stuff. Then there was one little back room, you know, where they probably had their supplies and stuff. But, yeah, it was kind of cool. You slept in like an old school house. I would 100% (laughs) buy an old school house if I had the opportunity. That sounds cool. You would do that, yeah. It it was cool. I mean, it still had the original wood floors and everything. And uh, and. So my companion at that time, Elder Smith, and if I'm getting off subject here, bring me back. But when he went to BYU, he uh, he, he was into fencing. He was like swordplay fencing. Yeah. In fact, he he taught fencing at BYU. So on our prep day, we both got a couple of of fences, that, that type of sword, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, foil, that's what it's called, a foil, foil. A foil. And he had one, I had one, so on prep day, you know, I started learning <laughs> how to, and, and then when I went to university, I took some classes in that uh, fencing. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fun. It's a cool study. It was kind of cool, you know, we couldn't hurt each other too badly, although too I did bad. pie, although I did accidentally pop him once pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, went to, I went to lunch and he, and he blocked my lunch. Yeah, and went down and caught the floor, and I was still coming forward, and it was like a spring, and it popped up and caught him in a bad place. (laughs) What place that could be? (laughs) (laughs) So, on the note of companions, uh, did you have any like notably difficult companions, and how did you work through the fencing one? So, is like it resolved? Just how was, just wasn't explained. there a, yeah. wasn't there a story today in sacrament meeting about a challenging companion? I don't know. I wasn't. There. I'm trying to remember that. Where um, are you, Drew? I was up in Blue River speaking. Where there was a companion. The guy had a companion. They're going to send I him home. And you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. that was. Um, oh, that, I yeah. Brother that. Easton talked about that. And it right. Was, it was a companion that was going to be sent home after being, you know, disciplined several times, and then. And the assistant president said, um, said that they felt impressed that they should stay and that they would be their companion correct. if they let him stay. You know. So I had that ex- same experience. I had I got a call. This was uh, so I had been a I'd been a the zone leader, and then I just was a district leader at the time in my last area, and as in my last months of my mission. And I got a call this Sunday evening from President Rosa, my mission president. He said, I've got an elder that we've that's same story. He's done some things that he probably should be going home. And uh he, he and he said, But we're gonna give him one last chance, and you are his last chance. If he can't make it with you or if things don't he's going home. So that was the intro. And uh, and this elder was it was a challenge. It was it tried my patience, but I loved the elder. Um, one of the challenges he had when he was a young boy, when he was little, and he was riding a tricycle, a drunk driver hit him and drug him under the car for quite a distance, and so he was. So he suffered some brain trauma as a result, too. In fact, he was in a coma for a long time, and uh, and he finally came out of that coma. But one of the things I noticed 
some of the after effects was when the elder, I won't say his name, but when this elder would get fatigued or tired, his, his hands would start to come up. Almost remind me of a Trianosaurus Rex. You know how you see him pictured? Yep. He, he'd start to kind of form this like when he would start to fatigue. So, you know, one of the things that I believe is seek first to understand a person or a situation before you pass judgment. And that's something that I've tried to live by. Um, and in this case, understanding that, you know, one time I was talking, I said, Elder, what is with you? you know, I mean, what's the deal? And, and he shared some of his experiences that he'd had. And I, and I, and so, yeah, it was a challenge because trying to keep the mission rules and trying to work, I mean, <laughs> I could share some things that I won't, but, uh, you know, it was a challenge. Yeah, he was a very challenging companion, and uh, but you grow in those situations. I grew. I was blessed also uh, developing that patience, that love, that understanding for another person, you know, and uh, hopefully I helped him, and and then I went home for my mission, my last companion. Well, you ended the mission that way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was the longest. It was my longest area. With, I was with him the longest of any companion, and uh, and I went home from that area. And he stayed on his mission. Did he finish? That's what I was mission? about to ask. Yeah, you finished it. That's good. He That's completed. Good. So we didn't throw the baby out with the wash. Oh, I think that's a good philosophy for life. Just you know, it, there are people that are just they're out doing bad stuff for bad reasons. Um, but it's a minority. I, I think for the most part, you know, if, if somebody's doing an inappropriate behavior or something, that there's probably some backstory in explaining why they're doing that. Um, I just like the idea of instead of saying why the behavior, say why the hurt, why the pain, and and seeking first to understand like you talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I even had that with patients. Um, patients would come in and, and you know, <laughs> you probably have this too in your work, but all the time. If, if you like, you, know? a, you feel like a counselor, you know, they come in and they just they, do a little free therapy. They, yeah. they, they unload on you because, for one, they know that what they discuss it stays there, and that I would never betray that confidentiality. And uh, but from some of them, I, I learned to develop such respect for what some of these people have overcome in their lives, or overcome drug abuse, overcome alcoholism overcome child abuse situations, mm -hmm. the things that I've seen. In, and to see the person on the street, you might look at them and say, that's not somebody I really want to associate with, you know, because, you know, the way they're dressed or whatever, you know. And um, But I'm telling you, some of these people uh, have hearts of gold, and I've seen them struggle to overcome. And so there was opportunities, too, sometimes to talk about the Savior. You, know, you, you try to do it, you know, not like you're – you have to be careful, but there's times when you can when you can do that in your work um, when you're working with individuals, and then other individuals too who, you know, they proclaim they're Christians, so you have something common and ground. I haven't ever found it really that hard to talk about the church. You find common ground, something you can talk about. But with these individuals, you just uh, you applaud them, you applaud them for what they've overcome and what they're accomplishing in their lives, and. Uh, and we need to do that with all of our brothers and sisters. Yeah. 
I think so. I I totally have that experience in my work too. And a lot of the time I come to the conclusion that sure you've been through some rough things, you you've done some things you regret in your life, but man, I'll tell you what, if I were in your situation, I probably would have done the same thing. Um, and the fact that you're coming back and doing what you can, you know, you should be proud of that. Yeah. And I, I'm grateful for the experience and work because as a bishop now, um, man, I, I have the same feeling. Yeah. You see people go through sin and, and try to repent and just feel like, and I feel for you because yeah. if I faced the life challenges you did, I might have gone down the same path. Yeah. Yeah, our 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 first responsibility as children of our Heavenly Father, as human beings, is love. Yes, is to love. And that's what the Savior exemplified over and over again in his ministry, in his example for us, is to love. And uh boy, did he ever did he ever love? It's to the point of what he went through for us. You know, we can't begin to comprehend, for example, what he went through with the atonement, what he suffered. But it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And he didn't have to, but he did because of love. Right? Yeah. Oh. I lost order of where we're at. I think, Drew, do you got a question? Um, Not really. Uh, you, Lexi, you got anything else you wanted to talk about? or? Uh, yeah, I want to hear about high adventure with your daughters. And yeah. you said the question was another dad adventure. So maybe expand more on that. Yeah, so hopefully they'll forgive me for this. But uh, <laughs> so one of the things I, I did with my, with my kids um, is at the beginning of December, the first weekend, because I like Christmas. And and what I don't like is it gets over with so fast. So try to lengthen it out a little bit. The first weekend of December, I would have a breakfast that I'd put on for my kids. And one of the things I'd have them do on a piece of paper is write on that paper something they want to do with me the next year, what kind of adventure they want to have. And, uh, and so I usually, I'd always took my, my daughters and did it with them both together. And so they were talking about wanting to go do some canoeing or do mm -hmm. some hiking. So I put together this adventure. <laughs> and uh, so we did. We went up to Wallow Lake and we spent the first day canoeing around Wallow Lake. The second day, we were mountain biking. And they took some you know, had some crashes and, yeah. you know, found some rocks. <laughs> and I think they were kind of going, you know, what were we thinking or what's my dad thinking? You know, why are we doing this? And then to top it off, for the third day, we climbed the South Sister. All right? You summited? Yeah. And we, and it was all in a day. We started seven in the morning and, mm -hmm. and I can remember we, when we got down off that mountain, uh, we went to, there was a, we found this lodge or restaurant on one of the lakes over there to get some dinner, and they could hardly climb up those stairs. <laughs> How old almost, are daughters? Uh, so, uh, Krista, I think, was 14, and Katie was, you know, was younger than that. Katie was yeah. like 
11 or something, so right? a little okay. younger than you. And just yeah, something, you'll, something you'll like is, so when, we, when we, we're just cresting up over, have you ever climbed the South Sister? Yeah, a few times. So when you get up on the South Sister, you have the main part, and then there's an, you go across, and then there's a little higher area mm-hmm. where you're truly on the summit. But I remember as we came up over it and just seeing this thing, I said to my daughters, I said, man, isn't this amazing? It's just like a shot out of National Geographic. Just beautiful. And Katie, she was pretty beat, and she the altitude was bothering her a little bit. But she says to me, "Dad, all I want right now is a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I ever see another one of your mountains again." <laughs> and uh, so when we got back to our camp there on Waldo Lake that night, they literally crawled into their tents. They didn't light a candle. They didn't light anything. They collapsed. They crawled into the tent and this collapsed. So fr- from that, any high adventure activity like that was referred to as a dad adventure. So t- so sometimes when I'd take the kids out to do something, when we'd get back, the first question they were asked was, so was it another dad adventure? <laughs> That's where that came from. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I want to tie that. So we, a few years ago, we all did Mount Adams. Uh-huh. Um, and we got lost at the end of it. Well, we really weren't lost. We weren't that lost. But like, what was your take on the experience? Because we were all like, oh, we're lost. We got to go across no, this. I, I could see right where we were supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I knew how we could get to that point. Yeah. But the the way that we had originally intended, because I got dis- – so here's the thing. I got distracted. I had uh, one of your cohorts, Brother Anderson. Yeah. He, he kept going way ahead. Craig. So yeah, so I got I, so I got focused on him, <laughs> and I lost my focus on where we were supposed to make that turn. And so we got down there, and I could see—I mean, I could see right where we needed to be. And I kept thinking, if we got down here a little further, you know, there would be a trail. Well, there would have been eventually, but we couldn't go that far. It was time to to do something else. But no, we weren't lost. We just had to. Of course, Daniel Boone—you heard Daniel Boone? Yeah. Daniel Boone once said that. That he had never gotten lost, but there was a time when for three or four days he didn't know where he was. <laughs> but uh, <you> know. <laughs> but I loved I loved I loved that trip. I loved that adventure. Uh, I was a little little shocked, frankly, by the loss of the snowfield up on top. Yeah, uh, because it's one of my. It's probably of the climbs. It's probably one of my favorite climbs, if not. The favorite, and the reason I love that one so much is one is climbing the snowfields. You're not worried about crevasses, mm-hmm. ice fall, rock fall, and the view is spectacular because you've got a 360 view of so many cool things that you don't have on some of the others. But I was disappointed that you guys couldn't experience that glissade like it's supposed to be experienced, where you glissade for a half a mile, you know. And uh, but you guys hung in there. It was it was wonderful. I love it. I love being. What I really love with working with the youth, with having you guys out there, I love the energy. Yeah, I love feeling that energy. It's a good. It's a good energy. It's it is a good, a good vibe, energy for sure. Um, getting up, okay, just for the yeah, no, no, no. Getting up to the top was awesome because, like, when you're at the top of the mountain, the sky is a different color. It's like darker. It feels like you're closer, that much closer, like to space. Yeah. And then, like, to the north, we had Rainier. Yeah. To the south, you can see, like, Hood, Hood, Hood all those. That's what, and Adams, then, or not Adams, Wisconsin, Helens to the west. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, that's why I, I just love that one. Like but like. Yeah. 
It was great. It was awesome. It was a great trip. I loved it. Every minute of it. I wanted to talk a little bit more about adventure. Mm -hmm. Just serve it a group here. Like Lexi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, yes. How, how important is, is adventure in your life? Like, if, oh if at all, you know, but... It, it, um. I love doing stuff and I love um, being able to like do new stuff. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm definitely not an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Um, Which I don't think Definitely you have, have to a be. lot of yeah. limits. But um, I love being able to be out and feel like I'm doing something with my body. And um, especially if it's social, yeah. I think there's a lot of value in being alone for sure. But I um, just as equally love like being with people. Um, so like any chance to do something new or fun is just, it's so great for me. And when I heard like, um, coming into young women's, when I figured out, cause high adventure, I felt like had always been like a thing that was like just the guys. And, um, even then like with stuff like Mount Adams, it was a lot of like the older kids stuff. Um, yeah. so being able to have like that stuff open up to, um, all the youth, um, and then just being able to, you know get to the age where I can do the quote-unquote older kid stuff. Yeah. It's just so exciting, and I appreciate it so much. And yeah. it's just been stuff I've, like, I've looked forward to forever. Um, I just I love that social aspect. I love hanging out with the youth and being able to do stuff. Um, and, I mean, you guys are talking about national parks earlier. I love being able to, like, be out in nature, explore parks, hiking, mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. Um, so I would say I, I love being out there and um, getting fresh air. It's, Again, Thank you for sharing that, by the way, because I think sometimes in the church we worry a bit about, well, what do we do with the scout program's gone? Maybe we're a little frustrated as far as what that looks like, but we have all these cool things now that are part of our program that weren't before, and one of those is mm -hmm. those combined high adventures, which are amazing. Yeah, I love that yeah. because I remember like my older brother being in scouts. And I was always jealous. I was always like, why can't I be in scouts? And my grandma was like always like a scout leader. And I was just so mad that I wasn't like able to like do that with all the boys. And then um, by the time I was getting a woman's, the I felt like the activities really started expanding from like baking and like sewing every um, mutual to like combined activities with the guys where we like go out and do stuff and be able to expand that. And I think it also, it helps, like, highlight our focus on, um, I think, like, the gifts that, like, Christ gives us, um, like, personal gifts, and then, like, generally, like, the entire world is a gift to all of us, but then we all have yeah. our own personal gifts within that. Like, you're really adventurous. You said you, like, um, I mean, kayaking, hiking, like, that's awesome, and Drew, you said you love national parks. I mean, Bishop is that, fire yeah. at tennis. Like, it's just so cool. To I'm, I beat her, or I'm beating, I'm beating you currently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was running on four hours of sleep. That's true. We need, you have to we be need a proper rematch. Yeah. <laughs> you is, that, is it tennis? Is that what you're into? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just, it's so cool being able to use our bodies to do all that stuff and relate it back to the Lord. And just, it makes yeah. me feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. What about what's the importance of adventure to you, Drew? Well, I I just love being out in God's creation. Like Canyonlands is my favorite. I'm gonna bring it back to that. Being in Canyonlands was like it's like you're on a different world. It's like mm -hmm. you actually you're seeing God's full like full artistry because uh -huh. you're going in and you 
first of all, you have the Red Rock like canyons, yeah. and then you go down into the canyon. It's ah. there used to be life there, and there's like riverbeds that you're walking through, and there's like dead trees and like some living trees, which I think is just it's just amazing just being out there, just being able to just be there. Just like people, people can get kind of tiring for me sometimes. So just being able to be out there. Maybe with like one Present other person. company not included, right? Present, mm-hmm. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but like just being out there and being able to appreciate what God has given us. Because it's like, again, like bringing it back to the bo- like your body. Your body is a temple and you should be able to experience what God has created for us because the earth is God's, well, like God's temple. He, it's a place he created for our bodies to be and live and, and mm-hmm. interact and work and it's just a beautiful place. Yeah. Love it. What about you, Gary? What what's the importance of adventure in your life? Well, one of the things I think we we try to achieve or we should try to achieve or I try to achieve is balance in my life. And um, you know the old saying about uh, all work and no play makes Johnny pretty dull. Yeah. And uh you know, even the Lord needed time alone. I mean, he, he left his apostles at, just to spend time communing with his father. He had to have some downtime, as I see it. And an, an adventure for me is part of that. I, I get recharged. Sometimes, you know, you know, going in and dealing with the stuff at the office, dealing with sometimes even with callings sometimes can wear you down a little bit, right? Uh, but when I would, I always say, go out of my driveway and turn east, <laughs> head up into the Cascades, there's this recharging that I felt there's connection. With that in mind, I think it's a concern that so many, especially so many of our youth, are losing that connection with the natural world because it's intended by our Heavenly Father that we get out and enjoy creation because we're part of it. We're part of his creation and that connection. So adventure is so important to me in that it helps to balance out my life, that aspect of it. You know, we we, we balance out, try to balance out all those areas that are so important in our yeah. lives, but adventure is part of that and it just, it recharges me. And at the same time it recharges me, it also recharges me also spiritually in terms of my love and appreciation for my divine creator that made all that possible. I have had a rebirth of appreciation for adventure and nature after a hiatus, probably during med school and training, yeah, yeah. right? But I, I read a book that, honestly, it, it changed my life called Wild at Heart. It's written by John Eldridge, a Christian author. And in it, he has this hypothesis that everybody needs three things. We need a battle to fight, we need adventure, and we need beauty. And the idea with a a battle to fight is we need to stand up for something that we really believe in. And the theory with beauty is that we, when we find an eternal companion, we need to fight for him every day and make that a priority. And with adventure, it's that we need to have that balance in our life and we need to appreciate what God's given us. And 
it changed so much for me because I think a lot of the time where we see people dive in and struggle with pornography, um, with other things that are so common and prevalent, a lot of the time it's because something's missing in life. And Satan goes in and he says, this is the easiest way that you can fill that void right now. The distraction. The distraction. And so that that's the role of adventure for me. Something I would suggest, because you were saying people like have like started to lose touch with like nature. Yeah. Um, I, I'd suggest if any of the youth that are listening to something that I like to do, especially in the winter, I love going up to Fall Creek in the winter when the, when it's all drained out and you just get to walk through the bottom of the reservoir. It's all green and it's super like super cool. It's super easy. It's a 20 minute drive to Fall Creek. And it's one of my favorite experiences. I I just love going up there. And who knows what you're going to find that fell out of those boats during the summertime. <laughs> I know. You can find some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, going back to that, that, that thing, you know, something my wife and I observed and talked about, and we talk about it, we talk about it often, is that one of the things that we used to see when we were growing up, when we were children, is seeing other children playing outside. Being outdoors, riding their bikes. I mean, for, for Luann and I, we we didn't like. To, I mean, we were outside as as kids. We were outside all the time. I mean, I was outside exploring. I had things I was interested in doing. I mean, I'd, it was tough to be in school sometimes, especially in the spring. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be outside, but so much you, you you drive through neighborhoods and you don't see kids outside playing. Instead, this is what's going on. You know, these these things are a gift, but they can also be a curse. Yeah, for these. And and that's why I mean when I say you know it, I, you need to be out active, moving, using your bodies, and and turning this stuff off because it's not good in in an overabundance. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a balance, there's a use. But yeah, that's that's one of the concerns that I I really truly have is that uh, there are youth in particular are are being pulled into this kind of stuff and being programmed and not getting out and enjoying the way that kids ought to. Like that's something I really enjoyed in my like growing up is like I moved out into I moved like a block, <laughs> but I was closer to like Ammon and Abram and Greg, all these youth that were like my friends in like church, but I was like, we were all neighbors now. Yeah. And I, we would do the stupidest things, but oh, we were wow. outside and we were doing it together. <laughs> we were outside doing those <laughs> stupid things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we would have Aiden would come over because yeah. he, he had the Dixons and he'd yeah. jump the fence and he, we'd run around my house for hours. We'd yeah. shoot each other's Nerf guns. It was just like, it's the best childhood I could have asked for. You're blessed. Yeah. You're but blessed. It's like, it's those things. It's just, I agree. Yeah, it's like, it's not as yeah. big anymore. It's, yeah, yeah, it's sad to see for sure. I, I mean, I really appreciate my dad. He's the type of person who will totally just yell at us, get off of devices, go outside and like play something with him. Um, He's always just, in the alley or the street playing no, soccer or something too. It's, <laughs> no, I, I totally appreciate that. <laughs> just the street. I totally appreciate that because it's just always like my dad was like, let's go outside and play something. So I, can, I always remember like, 
um, playing games outside. And yeah. then maybe like one of the neighbors would look out the window and see us and they would come join us or we'd go knock on a couple kids' houses. I think that it's just really big that we like actually invite people to like do that stuff because I think it's easy for me, especially um, like unprompted. Like sometimes it's just like, what do, what am I supposed to do outside alone? So Shooting like getting pants. like getting like that invite from my friends, like guys, let's go hiking today. Like that's really helpful, and being able to um, do that yourself, be the person to reach out and just be a friend, I think is really important. I mean, I don't know. There's so many memories that can be made. Like Friday night, we <laughs> Bishop. I don't. Hopefully, you were asleep and didn't witness any of this, but we mm-hmm. tied a mini Corvette, like the little <laughs> the, kid the little kid cars. <laughs> To with a rope to um our SUV <laughs> to <laughs> rub it around the neighborhood with <laughs> me and Carter Grossnickel. I, I think I was not. asleep for that. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Sounds like Levi could hear you. We did that, and like last night, we just we played some tennis, and um, we were at the Martins' house, and we like played basketball, soccer, the poker game that ended with no. someone <laughs> dipping their hair in the pool, like. It's just being able to be together and be together, like, um, disconnected, I Mm -hmm. think is just so important. And it's so cool because, um, like you were saying, like, I mean, uh, technology definitely has its place. Um, And you can still, like, bond over it, like, watching a fun movie together. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're able to, like, disconnect and be creative and just, like, um, hang out, it's so much fun, especially, especially now. I was in a weird place for that party because I, I never, I didn't learn to play poker because I wasn't on that retreat oh. with you guys. And upstairs where they were watching the movie was the couple's retreat. Oh my. I know. It was crazy. Sorry, we're going to. Everyone. You know, there yeah. was five. We'll tell you after maybe. Yeah. Well, never mind. I won't go yeah, ahead. I want to talk to you about <laughs> But I was just like, was I'm going to take a nap because I was really tired. So speaking, I took a nap. Of, speaking of activities, you're the first guest that's ever brought us a prop to look at. So. Yeah. Oh, tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about what you brought for us to look through, Gary. So, so yeah, I thought I would just share there. Um, one of the questions, you know, as I looked at the sheet that you gave me, you know, in preparation for this was uh, talking about things that I am interested in or things I like to do. So one of my interests is, is uh, wood carving. I love woodworking, but wood carving, uh, which something I actually started doing back when I was in college. Because it was just something to kind of get my mind on something else besides just being in the books all the time, and uh, so I actually took a few classes. It's called the Forestry Center in uh, Portland, mm-hmm. and uh, started learning more about it. And I did it with my father-in-law, my father Luann's dad did it with me as well, and um, so yeah. So in in like as explained earlier, when we carve, you you, you carve. There's two kind of approaches. One is carving in the round. And so one of the things I brought was a carving I did of a donkey uh, when I was a boy. Well, not actually, I wasn't a boy. I was actually older. I was in high school at the time. My dad got this donkey. And his name was Pedro. <laughs> and, a, and as my dad started having trouble with some of his joints and couldn't carry the packs like he used to, they would, put the, they would load up the donkey, take him backpacking. And his name was Pedro. So I decided to carve a donkey for my dad, gave it to him as a gift. And then my dad passed away, and so it came back to me. So I had that little donkey. And then the other is uh, I brought some samples of carving in the round. And 
for our listeners there. One of the things that I carved on here is uh, a relief carving of flowers. And I use this as a guide. I, I made a jewelry box for Luann, and this is what I carved on the – I've carved these flowers on the lid of the jewelry box. And uh, But something that I enjoy is carving. I've just finishing uh, – I've been working for the last six years on uh, nativity for my wife. And so I'll carve one or two figures uh, each year. And uh, I've still got two figures to go, and then it'll be complete. You can put Pedro in it. Yeah, well, Pedro uh, could. I actually carved another donkey. Oh. I actually carved another donkey for the for the nativity and a camel. Really, uh, Pedro, Pedro can be part of the nativity. Yeah, it's not quite the same style, uh, but uh, but anyway, that's just one of the things I'm working on. The other thing I'm looking at wanting to work on for my grandkids is a Noah's Ark with all the little animals. Yeah, that's really neat to go with it. So that's a lot. That's a lot to make. That's a lot of carving. Yeah, it is. And sometimes that's a lot of cut fingers too. That's yeah. why I've had to go in and get some stitches on occasion. Yeah, when I believe I, that. I. Uh, I I could see the value just in the hobby itself, but it seems like it really clearly has deeper meaning with the family and the people that you make things for. Yeah, which is what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lexi, do you have any other questions you want to ask Gary? Um, I don't think so. Not you, Drew. I think I asked all my questions. Gary, anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I think we've covered a lot of things. Yeah, we covered we? a lot. Wait, the for... the one other thing I had is three finger jack. Wait, what? Heal them in five twelve. Well, you want to hear that? So maybe we we'll do this a closing. Yeah. Okay. So some years ago, uh, so, so I like to backcountry ski, snowshoe backcountry ski, and one of my favorite areas is up around. Uh, Three Finger Jack, as you're going over the Santa Ana Pass. And the reason for that is back in about 2003, along in there, there was a fire. And of course, we hate to see forests burn. But in the wintertime, the beauty of it is with all those trees gone, the views are incredible. And the other thing is on skis, you can go anywhere. You want to go over there? You go there, right? And uh, and there are some, some stands of trees. So anyway, on this one occasion... I had another guy with me, and we were we were headed up, uh, and we were right up just to the south of Three Finger Jack, and then we just sat down and taking a lunch break, and from where we were sitting, we could look over in, into eastern central eastern Oregon, and you could look down the row of, and you could see like the Three Sisters and Mount Washington, and. Um, and so as we sit in there, I, you, as you looked out there, you could see different – you know what storm cells are? Yeah, definitely. All right. So, so we're looking out into eastern Oregon. You see these storm cells. And you look, and you look around uh, Three Finger Jack and I could see these storms just kind of swirling around. Then it would open up and look into the south. You could see kind of the same thing. Well, when I looked to the west behind us, just like in an earlier story, there was just this black wall of weather coming. And – Within just a matter of minutes, checking my my thermometer at the temperature was just dropping. It was just dropping, and so we're just sitting out there eating, enjoying it. And I, I and I told the guy I says, 
we're going to be in a storm in about 15 minutes. The stuff's moving in pretty fast. I can see the changes coming and see the clouds. And, and, uh, and sure enough, within about 15, 20 minutes, it, the temperature dropped literally about 30 degrees. And the winds were on us. And it was just, and with the wind came sleet and then snow and just a mixture. And, uh, but we weren't really thrown by it because we were prepared. In fact, I kind of actually enjoyed being out in it. We had the clothing for it, I had the gear for it, and we just kind of enjoyed. And again, just as I talked earlier, I knew it was going to pass over because it was seemed like a fairly fast-moving storm, mm-hmm. right? But what it brought to my mind was Helaman chapter 5, verse 12. And now, my sons, remember, remember, that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation, that when the devil send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power to over to over to no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which you're built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if we if men build, they cannot fall. And so having that protection was not a problem. Who could weather it? And so I, I, I guess in closing, I would just say is we're all, we all face storms in life. I mean, that's a guarantee. I promise you, you're going to have storms in life. But the Lord has also promised us, as is promised here, that if we build our foundation focused on Jesus Christ, we can weather any storm that comes. We can approach it with confidence. We can have confidence that we can get through any storm in life. Any challenge in life, we can get through it if we build our foundation and focus it on Jesus Christ and keep the commandments, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I leave it. I leave it with that. Yeah, love that. And that actually answered the final question that we usually ask, which is, you know, how has being a member helped you to better connect with Jesus Christ? I think we answered it. Yeah. So Levi, you can stay on the couch, I guess. <laughs> He's been our question asker for that, but. We didn't talk too much about Taylor Swift. We should. We didn't get to the favorite cover. Do you have anything to say about Taylor mm-hmm. Swift? He does not. Fair enough. Uh, well, other than doesn't interest me. We we've we have like a streak of talking <laughs> about care. Taylor Swift every time. So. Wow. My favorite color is aqua blue. I love aqua blue. There's a lot it's of people cool. answering to, like, that blue one. Pool? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of my I favorite go hikes. You get the weather blue right. Pool. You know one of the one of the yeah. one of the thing one of my pet peeves about the internet is that all these favorite places of mine have been put out on the internet, so everybody knows about them now. I used to be able to go into Blue Pool, and there would hardly be anybody in there. And then there's just like people everywhere. And so I don't go there very often anymore, unless it's in the middle of winter. I like what I like about it is not even getting to blue pool. It's like there's a part of the trail where it brings you out by that reservoir. And that day it was just like perfect temperature, super blue skies. And I just sat down by the yeah. reservoir. I was like, I'm just going to stay here for a bit. 
And yeah. my family left me, so I had to run up to them. But yeah. It was it's, awesome. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of beautiful places out well, Thanks for coming on, Gary. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Lexi. You. Thank you, Drew, for, for hosting today. You have to keep sending me, uh, texting me about more shows. Come on. Okay. Come on, <laughs> this episode of the Connection Podcast. We're on most podcast carriers, so please like and subscribe. The show's art is done by Joel Boreen. And the music is provided by Drew Boring. We look forward to connecting to you next time. Until then, take care. <laughs> <laughs>